Here we go, August the 17th, 2014, lecture discussion number 165 on the Book of Romans. And this is one of those, well now, Ollie, another fine mess we find ourselves in. If you were here last week in attendance for lecture 164, then you might remember that I couldn't resist the temptation to go flying into uh, Joshua chapter 7. Uh, those of you who have been in this uh, church for, wow... 17, almost 18 years. Uh, you might remember that I started in Joshua 7, one of my first Wednesday nights, uh, because I always found Joshua 7 to be a lot of fun, because of the uh, just the marvelous, amazing uh, information that is contained in it. So that's what I did. Uh, we're supposed to be doing the uh, meaning of Jacob's limp, uh, Romans 9, and, and that being connected to the death, if you will, or the killing of Moses, at Exodus 4, and that connects to Joshua as well. And ultimately, Joshua has this uh, get up. He, in fact, will cover that today, where God tells him to get up. Joshua does something in Scripture that is uh, inexplicable. He has a, a he insults God, literally to his face. It's a remarkable thing for the leader of the Israeli nation. And uh, I recognized a long time ago that all of us do that. We all insult God. We're irreverent, uh, we're insulting, uh, we're disrespectful, and we say it to him all the time. And you, you, it occurred to me, how does he respond when I do that? Is he mad at me? No, he's not. Disappointed, I guess, but he's outside of time. So he knows that I um, uh, am a very flawed person. He has a different response than we might think. Do not anthropomorphize. Do not think that God is hateful towards you because you are hateful towards him. He will not do that. It's just not how it is. And we'll get to Joshua's insult to God a little bit today, but mostly next week. But as always the case, I went into Joshua 7, and I'm, I'm blameless for doing so because it was entirely the fault, if you remember, of Sharon from Texas, who sent 12 questions, the majority of which concerned the sin of Achan. So I thought I'd go ahead and take advantage of that, so, such that I was predisposed. <clears throat> and I'm particularly sensitive to our vast Internet audience, uh, wishing to keep them uh, content. Some would say tranquilized, because uh, they threatened to rise up and visit us. And we don't want that. No, we don't. If they come up here, they're going to discover how peculiar the cliffside contention truly is. And that would be traumatic for them and their children. So, especially their children. So we like them to think differently of what we're really like. And 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 that's why... I try to stave this off. This is a preemptive thing. And again, they threaten all the time. Would you please let us know when you're available and we can visit you? And I tell them, well, we're not having service this week. The room. <laughs> Trying to protect you and them. They're catching on. <laughs> Occasionally, we have a visitor who wanders in here and it's, uh, it's uh, shocking for them too. So it's not just the outside. Anyway, I ventured into Joshua 7 uh, uh, for altru altruistic uh, means. And uh, no, that's not true either. But once I start into that, once we begin with Achan really seriously, it becomes very tough to stop that. Um, Joshua chapter 8, you just can't cleave it off. Now we're, we're forced to go into this amazing military struggle that is Joshua chapter 8. And then, of course, so 8 concludes 7 and, and you can't separate seven from six. It just is this big, uh, I don't pile, for lack of a better worm. And so this dilemma becomes, how do I get away from it? Where do I stop a discussion on Achan? Do I stop it at Elijah? Do I stop it at John the Baptist? Do I stop it with the Roman soldiers? Adam? Notice how I've connected Achan to those. That's a little clue for you as to what's happening in Joshua uh, chapter 7 and 8. 
And obviously it's not an option to continue very far past today and next week. And the whole point of Joshua 7 is to focus on Joshua 7, 6 through 11. That is this place where Joshua himself says things that are frankly indefensible to God's face. And God tells him to get up. And a lot of people read that as um, um, God's yelling at him. He's not. Joshua is on his face crying. This is the leader of the Israeli nation. He's weeping and crying and he is saying absolutely irrational, silly things. And God tells him to get up. Clearly, he's not angry. What is he doing? He's maintaining him in service. He's not firing him. He's telling him, get up. We have things to do. You have to recognize God's character and nature. And that's coming uh, next week for sure because it's so important. But let's continue in the same vein we were excavating last week. And the way to restart that is to reread that. And that's uh, so let's go. Joshua 6, I'll go really, really fast. Uh, but uh, there's a few people that weren't here last week. And so uh, it's important that everybody stay the same. And there's also those on the Internet who come and go. They don't get all of the lectures in order. And they cherry pick hoping they find one they like. So far, they haven't. Uh, but nonetheless, I still have sympathy for them. So that's what I'm doing. So we'll go to Joshua 6, 18 through 19. Here we go again. And you, God talking to the nation of Israel, when you go into the city of Jericho, when it is available for you to attack, and so that you're inside the city, he says, and you, by all means, abstain from the accursed thing, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse. How many times did he say accursed there? Just wanted to make sure don't touch the accursed or the cursed or the devoted thing. The words are interchangeable. You have to decide what does it mean. Does it mean cursed? Does it mean devoted? In any event, don't take it because if you take it, you're going to be cursed and Israel, the camp, will be cursed. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Okay? Now, leap over to Joshua 7, chapter 7, 1 through 5. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed thing. Uh, essentially, Achan took it. Verse 2. Now, Joshua sent men... Uh, first question is, why is God, it says, the Lord burned against, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now, the anger of the Lord is not irrational, uh, emotional, it's not, uh, what's the other word I want, um, uh, uncontrollable, it's not like us. Does it mean that? What is it? What's going on? Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is besides Beth-Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, and for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Struck them down on the descent. Don't pass over that detail. And the people melted. They were absolutely I can't come up with a word for afraid that will do it. They were very much afraid, terrified, terror. So now Joshua 7, 10 through 13. We have that section where Joshua tore his clothes. I'm skipping that. Get that next week. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie on your face? I'll do it better. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie on your face? 
Does God know why he's lying on his face? Yes, God is omniscient. Why do you ask him that question? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things. And they have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their stuff, their own stuff. What's the obvious question there really fast? Who is the they? Who is those they that did that? It's plural. Is it all of Israel that did that? Did all of Israel do it? Is that referring to all of Israel? We'll get to that in a minute. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, and but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Wow. Why? Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Does this remind you, I hope it does, of Moses and Zipporah? He didn't circumcise his sons and God came to kill him. And Zipporah quickly circumcised them and called him a husband of blood. And God released him. This is very similar, isn't it, in the sense that we have an accursed thing and God pulls out immediately. How, what is going on here? Really, begin to push it through your mind. Get up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. <laughs> now Joshua seven nineteen through 25. Now, eventually God has a... Has a, a a Urim and a Thummim are casting lots, and he calls out, takes out Achan from the tribe of Judah, from all of the twelve tribes. And so we have, uh, we're with Joshua and Achan. And Joshua says to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not Hide it from me. And Achan answers Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I converted them and took them. I'm sorry, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So under it... So Joshua sent messengers, messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Gives you the sense that God is right there. The commander of the army of the Lord with his sword, right? Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you to this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones. You see the him, the them, and the him, right? So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. Okay, that's most of the issue. So now let's go and get the obvious questions. Okay? Pull this over here. Do this. Hope I do it justice. I know we did a little bit this last week. I'm following up because of how important it is to understand this. Obviously, the king of Jericho has something, and God makes certain that Israel, all of Israel knows without exception, uh, that no one is to take this accursed, this devoted, this uh, dedicated thing. Don't take it. Don't touch it. Abstain from it. And, and whoever does so is going to be themselves a curse and also make the camp of Israel a curse. So the most obvious of the obvious questions, why? Why? 
What about, what is this thing? This is a death penalty offense. Death penalty. What is, why is that? What could possibly cause that? What is this thing? Again, physical death is the, is the penalty, is the sentence. This is capital crime. The most serious thing you can do is to take this, is to take it. And this ominous warning is issued by God himself. God says it to all of them himself. They all hear him. They all understand it. Uh, Bill the Cow was telling me earlier, this is a great place to put it in. It just made me laugh. that He was listening to a long-time religious uh, broadcaster who said uh, uh, that he was saying that a bunch of uh, modern-day Christian theologians Apparently, and I might not have this perfectly right, but apparently have committed the uh, unpardonable sin. And that all they needed to do to, to be uh, saved from committing the unpardonable sin was to send him money. Never occurring to him that if it's an unpardonable sin, how can you repent of it? You know, the contradiction was right there. This made me laugh. There is no limit to the ingenuity of televangelists. It just isn't. They will figure out a way. You have committed the unforgivable, unpardonable, never to be free from sin. You're doomed. You have committed the doomed sin. Send me money. I will come up with a way to get you around it. Never never recognizing that it can't be the doomed sin if you can be unlocked from it. That's just hilarious stuff, and I appreciate him bringing that to me. I didn't identify him. Why not? Because I'm a coward, that's right. Even though I like the hate mail most of the time. Again, this ominous warning is how I get from death penalty to unpardonable sin, if you want to know how I think. But this is physical death. Understand, there is spiritual death and there is physical death. There's the first death and there's the second death. You have to know what death we're talking about. Which death is the death? God himself issues this warning. So ask, what can cause this? What is this thing? Where did it come from? Where did it originate? Who made it? Where else is there this consequence for an Israelite, an Israeli, for touching or taking a devoted, dedicated thing? Some of you have talked to me about that. You have noticed the connection between Uzziah as the Ark of the Covenant is falling. He reaches up just to stop it. Physical death. Touch this. Physical death. So the Ark of the Covenant, is that a dedicated thing? It is, isn't it? We'll get to that next week, I hope. But again, ask, what can cause it? What is this thing? And then next. What causes this? Achan obviously knows that God says don't take it, and he takes it anyway. What's his motive? He tells you, I coveted it. I wanted it. It's beautiful. I had to have it. Who are what I like to call the dead 36? You might call them 37 because you might add Achan to them. I said might. So who are the dead 36 men and why is there 36 of them? Why not 12? 36. Many have noticed that that's 6 squared. 6 times 6, or 6 plus 6 plus 6 plus 6 plus 6 plus 6 plus 6 6 times. And they recognize that 6 is the number of man, also sometimes uh, the number of Satan. Number, am I on C? Ooh, what what happened to... I have two C's. (laughs) Okay, C sub 2. 
that'll look like a G. Can't do that. Two C. That'll screw up my whole system if I don't put a C. What covenant? He says, you have broken, trans, trespassed my covenant. Covenant. What covenant has been broken? Which one? I've asked that a couple of times. Then uh, this one I think is so important. Who is the they of Joshua 7.11? They, the them. We're going to end up with they's and them's all over the place. We need to identify every they and them we can. Um, Why is it that the taking of this thing causes Israel to fall? All of Israel... All of Israel is affected by the fact that somebody took this thing. And it would be like, all of you are affected by something that I do. You're legally held accountable. What can it be? In the Uzziah case, he's the one that touches the, the ark as it was trying to fall, right? Or as it started to fall. All of Israel wasn't affected. But here, all of Israel is affected. Why? How serious is taking this thing? It must be extraordinarily serious. Did, when you read it, did you say, wow, this is a serious offense? Or did you do the other? The guy just took something. What's the big deal? Again, what causes all of this tremendous response from God? And then he says... Stolen and deceived. Did you see that? They have stolen. They have deceived. So, stolen is pretty easy. We can say that they stole the, the, the it or the thing, the accursed thing. But it's the other aspect of it is deceived. What's the obvious question there? Deceived is what? I have to, they, they, they lied about something. It's a lie. They obviously had a, a, a concerted effort to deceive. Is that just keeping quiet? Which is what a lot of commentators say. Uh, I'm going to say that the deception is an outright lie. And so what lie was it? I think that God tells us who it is and uh, what the lie is, by the way. I'll get to that in a minute. Why did Joshua beg Achan? This begging of Achan. And the point of it is to glorify God. How is it that it does? How is it that the confession will glorify God? We've covered that a little bit already. It's more um, more in depth than what I've covered. How is it that the king of Jericho has this thing. Jericho king. He has the garment. And the garment is what? What is the garment? It's identified by Achan as Babylonian. Is Jericho a Babylonian city? It's not. How is it that the king of Jericho has a Babylonian garment that is so significant that God will do what he's doing the rest of them, I don't have time to write them all down. Why did Achan take the robe, knowing that pro- prohibition is there? In other words, let me say it another way. Does the death penalty also apply to the gold and the silver? Or is it just the robe? Is it the robe? Is it the gold and silver? Is it both? Is it or or and? Or just the robe? Are the messengers the same two messengers that messaged uh, to Rahab? Was the garment or the robe burned with uh, Achan? Was it buried in stones? Were the children of Achan executed with their father and also stoned and burned? And I believe that last question right there is the key of the central uh, element of this passage. 
I had quite a few of you come up during the post-lecture phase last week to tell me that your commentary and your Bible was very explicit, quite certain, absolutely confident that the children of Achan, your commentator was, that the children of Achan, his sons and daughters, were in fact put to death. Does anybody, did anybody bring a Bible where the commentary took the position that the daughters and the sons were not put to death? I don't think anyone had one. They're very hard to find. I have one. But by and large, um, not, not with me, I don't, not this one certainly, but this one's just like yours. It, it'll, he'll say definitively that uh, Aiken's family faced, let me read it, Aiken's family faced execution with him. They were regarded as co-conspirators in what he did. They helped cover up his guilt and withheld information uh, from others. Really? Where is that in the text? How could you say that based on the information? Go ahead. Well, that may be. Uh, for those of you on the Internet, Supper Dave said they, they're seeking out a, uh, applicational teaching or applicational avenues to express so they can make everybody in their church feel guilty and give more money. Could be. Um, I think they like God being the way they described him. And I think that's the, at the base of it. We'll get to that as I go ahead. Just remember, the Bible is the inerrant, is the true element, the words of the Bible. The commentation, the commentators are not inspired, not inerrant. In fact, they are mostly errant. Don't trust them. Uh, they are never to be trusted blindly. Question everything they say. Uh, if I had a dollar for every place I have written, really, in this Bible, on the top of this commentation, I would have a new building, one with a roof. Let me say this. Yeah, a real roof as opposed to the one we've got now. I find the view that's going to make people mad at me, and that's cool and good. I find the view or the position that the sons and daughters of Achan were stoned to death and burned to be very difficult to defend intellectually. I also find it to be absurd. Nonetheless, it's the overwhelming conclusion of the... Uh, theological academic community. There's only a few dissenters. Maybe there's 10%. Uh, the most renowned is uh, Adam Clark, if you're familiar with Adam Clark. Uh, thus, 90% have put themselves into position, uh, into a position, in my view, where they can't solve the passage correctly. It becomes impossible. If you think the sons and daughters were killed and, and executed because their father took a, uh, this Babylonian garment, um, I think you're going to have a difficult time figuring out what's really in this passage. You see, as we begin discussing last Sunday, I asked a bunch of questions, didn't I? I asked, how old is Achan? Because I need to establish that to figure out how old his sons and daughters are. And, and what about Deuteronomy 24.16, where it explicitly says that the sons and daughters are not, are not, to be condemned or executed for the sins of the Father. That's a complicated verse. Did what? God not know that he wrote that one. Most who hold this position that the daughters and sons um, are um, were killed there, executed, um, sentenced to death, stoned by all of Israel. All of Israel had to kill them, right? They uh, they conclude, just as I read you, that the sons and daughters of Achan participated in the taking of the garment, that they were the co-conspirators, they were the deceivers, they uh, perhaps uh, uh, dug the hole and hid the garment, and they all sat around and lied about it. That's why it was Achan and his conspiracy, which was his sons and daughters. And once more, how old are they? Got to know that. Let's ask another question. I got a Babylonian garment. How big is it? How much does it weigh? How big a hole I got to dig to hide that? Do I need help? Go get your bathrobe. Get your whole family together and bury it. See how long it takes. You can do this kind of investigation technique without me. 
<laughs> How many total children of Achan are there? How many total does he have? Does he have ten? Five? Achan is an active soldier. We know that. He rushed into Jericho. He's a military. Uh, he has military credentials. Therefore, he is less than 40. How do I know he's less than 40? One, he's got to be active military. He's got to be of fighting capability. Also, where was he born? Well, well, you know, you know. He was born in the wilderness. How long did they wander in the wilderness? Was he born the very first year they went into the wilderness? That makes him what? 39. Now, is he born five years in? Because this is the second generation. They've just spent four. No one of that first generation lived except Caleb and Joshua. This is someone who was born in the wilderness. So, I'm going to tell you he's between 25 and 30. I think that's the mass on my side. How old are the children now? They're certainly, if, he's, if you want to make him 39 to make your, by the children were the co-conspirators, go for it. Did the women and the children charge into Jericho when the walls fell with their fathers? No. So if you want the sons to be military, okay, the son's military. Maybe there's one of them that's 19. Maybe he had children when he was 14. You could try that. But he doesn't even have his certification of adulthood until what age in the Jewish community? So you got some issues here if you're going to make those kids military sons. But again, did the women and the children charge into Jericho with their fathers as the walls fell? Obviously not. Again, Achan's sons would have to be active military also to rush into Jericho. And that's possible, I'll give you some of that, but not likely. Certainly Achan's daughters were not with him when he took the garment and the robe. So they weren't part of the taking of it. So who was with him, by the way? Who witnessed it? So ultimately, the view that God ordered the deaths of Achan's daughters, and we're going to focus on the daughters, has, has God doing so because the daughters participated in the burying and the hiding of the robe? I think I can make a strong case that those daughters are less than ten years old. So there's your, there's what you got. Achan comes home with the robe and he says, okay, I need a couple of you ten-year-olds now to bury this thing. That's what you're going to end up doing. Good luck with that. What about Achan's wife? I always used to teach this, by the way. I got a five-year-old with a shovel, a little sand shovel, a toy. That's what I did when I was teaching it to high school kids to make it, make you understand what you have to discredit. What, what happened to Aiken's wife? She's not mentioned. She involved? Did she get killed when she was running behind Aiken into Jericho? Is that what happened to her? If she's alive, why isn't she mentioned? If she's not alive, okay. But clearly, if she was alive, she should have been at Aiken's stoning. But she's not mentioned, is she? Why not? Obviously, I find this inter- interpretation to be insulting to the character of God, which is how I started today, huh? It's disrespectful at the least. It's outright scornful and contemptuous at the worst. And I'm often asked things like this. How is it that you arrive at your conclusions when reading Scripture? Translated that, if you want me to translate that, they're saying to me, you're weird. Okay? And so... I know that. I got it. That's been asked me thousands of times now. Well, the first thing I always do is I throw out the dishonoring opinions. When I find a dishonoring opinion, I throw it out. Why do I do that? What do I mean by dishonoring position? 
if I have a, come across a position that dishonors God, is disrespectful to God, is irreverent, is uh, insulting to his character, I throw it out immediately. I don't wait. If someone suggests that God is evil or arbitrary or unjust or unable or are confused or afraid, all of that nonsense, I get rid of that person's judgment immediately. I hardly ever go back to them. Because if you've got that wrong, what good is the rest of your stuff? I've learned they cannot be right. Instead, search for the position that is Christ-honoring, that is respectful to God, in awe of God. Find the highest view. Find the one where God is glorified. That's the one that will be right. It's no harder than that. So when somebody says, well, God executed these children because he just hates kids. So if you don't want your kids executed, you better not steal anything. That's the sermon. Now give me your money. If I hear, read one of those, I say no. That's disrespectful. And if you select that view, you're always going to be wrong in the meaning of the passage. The truths of the passage are not going to open up to you. So when I read this on, by this particular commentator, I knew everything else that he wrote was worthless. And I could read it to you. All of it is worthless. It's very unusual that someone can start out disrespectful and insulting to the character of God and get it right. I've never found it. I'll concede the possibility. So, did God order the execution of the sons and daughters of Achan because of Achan's stealing of the garment? I say no, and some will immediately protest. They'll say, okay, one-eyed fat person... Pretty bold talk there. What about the children in Jericho, they'll say? The young and the old, Joshua 6.21. The animals utterly destroyed. My response? Why was that necessary? Because it's necessary. Was it necessary to kill the daughters and sons of Achan? It was necessary to do it at Jericho. So you ask this way. Why? What was happening in Jericho that was so evil, so wicked, so corrupt, so perverse, depraved that God had to stop it? What were they doing in there? What were they doing to the animals? I was talking to Lori about animal experimentation back at the turn of the century. What they did to animals while they were trying to find, they were searching for the uh, mind of the animal. So they would cut out part of the brain of the mostly dogs, cut out part of the brain of the dog and see if they could figure out where the mind of the dog went. And how much cruelty could they put this dog under and, and then could they recover it as a pet? And all that kind of stuff. So that's the way you approach it. What was going on in Jericho that was so evil, so wicked, so depraved that God had to stop it and deal with it? What had happened to those animals, those children? And in other words, I'm saying that when they ran into that city, they were horrified by what they found. Think Auschwitz uh, times a thousand. Think Joseph Mengele. When they ran into Jericho, that's what they found. But I want you to approach that kind of that that approach to the garment that was inside of Jericho. And God cannot allow Israel to take it to touch it. So why again is this so serious? Okay, let's back up to these thirty six men, the mystery of the thirty six men. That's again, I'm going to reread Joshua 2, 20, or 7, 2 through 5. Now, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is besides Beth Avon, beside Beth Avon on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. He didn't send messengers this time, he sent men. So they returned to Joshua and said to him, Now, I'm going to change it this time. 
there is a grandchild running amok in the church. Who's responsible? Raise your hand. Run from the front row. <laughs> I'm going to change it a little bit. I'm going to read it is the way I think it is most applicable. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, No need. Don't, 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 uh, Josh, buddy, don't, don't let all the people go up. Not a problem up there. We got it. Got this. You don't need to say anybody. Uh, let about two or three thousand. Hey, I tell you what we'll do. We'll pick that two or three thousand. We'll, 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 ha- we'll, you just sit right there. We'll take care of this. We'll, we'll find the two or three thousand for you. You don't worry about it. Again, I'm building the case. Don't worry all the people. Don't need to send all the people. We, we got it. Remember, God says over here, he says, For they have taken some of the accursed things, and they have stolen and deceived. They have also put among their own stuff. So somebody deceived somebody, and I'm looking at this going, this is probably where that deception is. So about three men, thousand men went up from the people, but they fled they were killed. Thirty-six were killed. So I'm submitting that this seven through five of, I'm sorry, two through five of chapter seven is this suspicious, deceived behavior that God is talking about over here in uh, verse, get it right, verse 11. Note that at the time of this conversation that they have with Joshua, he doesn't have something. What is it that he doesn't have? He's told, everyone's told, the accursed thing is in Jericho. He doesn't have the accursed thing. He may have something, but he doesn't have it. He doesn't have this for sure. And he doesn't ask, do I have it all? Are we okay here? Did anybody steal it? God, if, if, listen, if I'm in charge and my commander comes to me and my commander is God and he says, okay, don't take the stuff, the accursed stuff, don't take it. I go, okay, got that. If you, if somebody takes it, the whole nation is subject to tremendous problems. Trouble. Got it. Don't take it. Big problems. Now we're successful. We, walls of Jericho fell. What's the first thing I'm going to do? Bring me the stuff. And I'm going to look at it. And then what am I going to do? Is this all of it? And when they say yes, what am I going to think? No. And I'm getting on the phone. Joshua doesn't do that. That's an interesting problem. He doesn't have it for sure. Why didn't Joshua investigate? Now, all of a sudden I've got these guys who are saying this stuff to Joshua. Okay, don't send all the people. Don't worry all the people. It's just a few few people up there. We're going to handle it. How many were really there? He said, they are few, which implied there was hardly any. How many was really there? 15,000 men. How many giants? Bunch. It was clearly a lie to Joshua. That is clearly a lie. They said, we'll go up, we'll check it out. You don't have to send people. Don't come with us, Joshua. We got it. They lied. There's your lie. Whoever these men are, that's where the lie is. The lie is not from who? The sons and daughters of Achan. The lie is from these people, right? So who are these men? Are they the they of 7-Eleven? I think they are the they of 7-Eleven. They had to know that they were badly outnumbered. They went up and checked it out. They had to know also. Did they know also? I think they might have known also that Achan had the garment. 
In other words, is the, is the 36 dead men and the garment and Achan all connected together? How did Achan know, by the way, it was a Babylonian garment? It's my favorite question. Did he have a background in Babylonian clothing manufacturing? Is that how he did it? Hey, did he say, hey, look, I can tell by the thread count and the weave pattern that this is a Babylonian garment? Where does he spend his whole life? In the wilderness. What did he do? Take a bus tour to Babylon, look in their museum and all their garments? How did he know this was a Babylonian garment? He got, got a... DVD course, but he knew this is a soldier born in the wilderness, never been anywhere near Babylon, but he knows what this thing was. How is that? Was he right? Well, I would be careful. He says it's a Babylonian garment. What's the king of Jericho doing with a Babylonian garment? How does he know what this thing is? Has he ever seen it before? Has anybody ever seen it before? How about the people born in the wilderness? They ever seen it? They have seen pictures? Here's a, here's a film of Babylonian garmentry. There's one. When you run across it inside of Jericho, you're going to know. So my question, is he right? Is it a Babylonian origin? Or did he think it was Babylonian because it somehow ended up in Babel? Anyway, where was I? I've got to focus. I've got these men lying to Joshua. And that's something we're going to have to figure out. What's their motive to lie to Joshua? They're lying to Joshua. What's their plan? Joshua is deceived and Joshua follows their suggestions. That's amazing to me. He believes them. And then the giants chase Israel down and kill 36 men. And the people of Israel panic. And then Joshua accuses God of being evil. Read it. It's what he does. Joshua 7, 6 through 8. And that's not good. It's a total mess. And I can't say this enough. God is never the villain in the Bible. If you read a passage and you think God is evil, he's uh, wicked, then you are horribly, horribly wrong. God is always the one that comes and saves. He's the salvation, the saver. He comes to save and to end the wickedness and to stop the wicked. That seems like a simple concept, but not in today's church. Back to the subject. 36 men are slain. What's the obvious question? Where are my dead 36? I got 36 dead men. What's the obvious question? 3,000 go up to fight, 36 are killed. And the whole place, all of Israel is in terrified panic over that result. And you can compare it today. If I sent an army of 3,000 in and came back with 2,964, I'd feel very badly for the 36, wouldn't I? Because it would be almost... Unlucky. The casualty level is very small. And the people are in absolute panic. And Joshua totally fails. Joshua. I I can't. I've got to keep moving. Come up afterwards. I submit that that's the key question to the passage. Is who are these 36 men And are they connected to the Babylonian garment? I don't think you can conclude anything but they're connected to the the Babylonian garment. If it is in fact a Babylonian garment. You see, that dims your choices. The 36 dead men are either unconnected or directly connected to the taking of the accursed thing. Which one do you think? These are the liars. Either the 36 men lied to Joshua or the sons of Achan, sons and daughters of Achan lied to Joshua and they're all below the age of 15. I can guarantee it. I'll take the math. Is it your position that the men who lied to Joshua are unconnected, unattached to Achan in the taking of the devoted thing? When the entire passage is about the devoted thing. God tells Joshua, get up. They have stolen and deceived you. And who is the they? Clearly it's not the sons and daughters of Achan. 
I think it's the men who said, don't worry about AI, just send 3,000, we'll handle it, you stay back. I think it's obvious. And their plan, by the way, was very clever. Think about I can't, I can't, you have to come up afterwards. Their plan was very clever. They didn't want Joshua there. Why not? But isn't it obvious that this is not just about the garment? It's an insurrection. It's a rebellion against Joshua's leadership. And to be, to beat my point into the ground, the children of Achan are not the insurrectionists here. They're not trying to take over from Joshua. We'll get into the core of rebellion next week. And it just can't be, be the case. And hopefully you've begun to piece all of this together. You've figured out the motive. Just a few more questions to help you through this. Achan receives the death penalty even though he fully confesses. Why? God always intervenes to protect his plan of salvation. He has to do it. If he didn't protect his plan of salvation, then he has a plan of salvation by which no one is saved. That means he is a liar and evil. And he's not. He's good. So he's intervening here to protect his plan of salvation. How is this garment an issue of Christ's blood sacrifice? In other words, how is it related to God or to Christ's sacrifice? Because it must be because God is intervening. I have the Ark of the Covenant is prominent in all of these passages. Now I glanced over it very quickly to hide it from you because I want you to go find it on your own. The Ark of the... Which covenant, I keep asking? Well, that's sending you to the Ark of the Covenant. Which covenant is that? The Ark of the Covenant is one of the great symbols of Christ's blood sacrifice in the Bible. Is this rose... Rose... Is this robe likewise a symbol? And if it is, how come? I have the robe and I have the Ark of the Covenant. Are they connected here? None of them could be touched without this death penalty. Apparently. So how is it that these things, this robe, typifies in some way the salvation that God has given? How was it that the rebellion was directly assaulting that for the entire nation? What were these men planning? Why were they planning it? What made them think they could get away with it? Obviously they didn't. Musicians will meander forward. I will stall. You're on your own. Start the piano. You have that technological...